Welcome to KJV Cafe, where the truths of God's Word come alive. Grab a hot cup of coffee or tea and spend some time learning about our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. Listen now to Pastor Clark Covington of Heartland Community Baptist Church as he explores great insights from the Word of God. Today I want to talk to you about clutter. You heard me right, clutter. Is there a lot of clutter in your house? Maybe clutter in your life? I'm going to ask you point blank, is clutter getting in the way of your time with God? This is one of my favorite subjects because honestly, I'm the type of person, the creative person where I'll have a fair bit of clutter. And at the same time, I really appreciate the clean, open areas of my own home or other people's homes. I mean, think about it. Have you ever spent time in a clean room? How does it feel? Think about a friend that's super neat and how nice and organized their house is. And it just feels open and airy. Even a large hotel room or even at a store or restaurant and there's just nothing around and it just feels so nice. It's like you can exhale. There's something about this type of space that's relaxing and calming. Now think about, have you ever spent time in a cluttered room? Maybe you have a cluttered house, a cluttered office, cluttered bedroom. How does that feel? You know, as a parent of young children, I could think about tripping over kids' toys in the cluttered playroom, which turned into every room when we had a, a couple kids within a, within a year of each other. Uh, I, I live near an area where you'll see homes on the outside with much uh, uh, clutter, maybe automobiles or books even, magazines cluttered all over the place. Uh, and, and it all creates a feeling of what? A feeling of stress, a feeling of, of anxiousness. Um, you know, I can think of a few times that I've gone away, uh, been around uh, uh, other places and uh, seen an open space. I remember one time I visited Amelia Island and I stayed in a hotel and there was nothing that nice about the room that I was in. And I kept uh, remarking, I wanted to make my house look like this room and I couldn't figure out what was so nice about the room. And then finally I realized there just wasn't much in it. Amen. It was just easy to move around. Uh, you know, a friend's house, good friend's house. I was at one time and it was a tiny uh, little manufactured home and inside it was so open. It was so nice. And I, I looked around and said, what's their secret? It's so cozy in here and so open. Oh, well, they didn't have any clutter. Even uh, back when I was teaching uh, school, their classrooms, look, think about that. There were based, especially on the uh, upper level there, like college, the classrooms are basically just desks and chairs and nothing else. So kids can focus in on the lesson. There's not a lot of clutter. So what is it about clutter that fogs up our minds and uh, can create real emotions like stress in one end, and then can help us get clarity and relax on the other end. Well, according to Psychology Today author Sherry Borg-Carter, there's a few points here, eight points in particular, of what clutter does to our minds. Firstly, clutter bombards our minds with excessive stimuli, visual, olfactory, tactile, all our senses are overwhelmed, causing us to work overtime, our stimuli that aren't necessary or important, they're put into overdrive. Secondly, clutter distracts us by drawing our attention away from what our focus should be on. It's constant distraction. Clutter makes it more difficult for us to relax. That makes sense both physically and mentally, the, both of those aspects. Fourthly, clutter constantly signals to our brain that our work is never done. Whew, that's a tough one. 
Clutter constantly signals to our brain that our work is never done. Fifthly, clutter makes us anxious because we're never sure what it's going to take to get through to the bottom of the pile. If you're like me, I mean, again, my kids, I feel like we keep giving away the same toys and they keep somehow coming back. And I'm wondering, how are we going to get to the bottom of this pile? Uh, six, clutter creates feelings of guilt. Uh, quote, I should be more organized, unquote, and embarrassment, especially when others unexpectedly drop by our homes or our workspaces. My home uh, as a as a pastor, as also as a family uh, member and so forth, I have a lot of people dropping by. And yes, I can attest to this. You might be able to relate where you just feel bad, you know, and just try to explain, oh, well, I should have put this thing away or that thing away. Seventhly, clutter inhibits creativity and productivity by invading the open spaces that allow us mo- that allow most people to think brainstorm and problem solve. So again, it inhibits creativity and productivity. And finally here, clutter frustrates us by preventing us from locating what we need quickly, like uh, files and paperwork lost in a pile or keys swallowed up by the clutter. So let me just go through these words again real quick. Bombards our minds, distracts, more, more difficult to relax. Our work is never done. Anxious, feelings of guilt, inhibits creativity and productivity, frustrates. So is clutter getting in the way of our fellowship with the Lord? I think for many it is. Clutter has a way of acting as a stumbling block brought on by the enemy to keep us from spending time with God. I mean, think about it. Who would want you to be bombarded, distracted, difficult to relax, feeling like your work's never done, anxious, feeling guilty, uh, not productive, not creative, and frustrated? Who would want that? The devil. The devil will use clutter to get to you. The devil will use clutter as a weapon. Amen? And, you know, this is, I mentioned physical clutter, and I'm sure you might have assumed by now, maybe, that I'm also referring to spiritual clutter, mental clutter. What does it all come down to? Well, here's what's, this is where it ties into the Bible, ties into, you know, uh, Christian living and so forth and living for the Lord and, and so on. It comes down to faith, the faith factor. Are we believing that there is something better unseen than what is seen? Or do we think that we need stuff to make us happy and content? Do we realize that with faith, we can have a deep relationship with God by keeping a simple and uncluttered focus on him in our physical, mental, and spiritual lives? All right, my text verse here is Hebrews 11.6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Amen. Does that make sense? Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. Who's him? That's God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. Well, well if for who to come cometh to God, for us to come to God, we must believe what? That he is God, right? You know, hey, that sounds simple, but a lot of people, they say they believe in God, but they act like the world, they live like the world, they're of the world. They're not saved, amen? We must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So he'll reward us for tackling this clutter issue. Hey, if I can be honest, when I preached this at our small church in Lincolnton, North Carolina, uh, I don't know what happened with the other congregants, but I can tell you my wife got to work. She started uh, ordering bookshelves. Now, I, again, I'm thinking clutter gets stuff out. Somehow she starts getting stuff in and ordering stuff. But you know what? Things start, start getting put away. Um, I myself started to pitch in and we're working in the garage the last couple of weeks. 
It could be the Holy Spirit working within us to help us clear up our clutter here uh, physically and also mentally so that we can focus on him. And so I just want to go through a few points here today that hopefully be a help and a blessing on uh, clutter and how it may be getting in the way of your relationship with the Lord and how we can get closer to him. Amen. How we can be close to God by being clutter free. First of all, is physical clutter keeping you away from God? Hebrews 11.1. 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We don't see God uh, in a consumer, uh, in a, in a pos- possession and something we would go and purchase. You know, of course, I know someone out there is thinking you could buy a cross and see the Lord or, uh, or like it's Christmas time and we have the nativity scene. I get that. But, but the idea is, you know, physical possessions is, is something that we can see, hold and so on. And faith is something that is hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That's the whole point of faith. A lot of time preachers talk about, do you have to have faith uh, when you when you're dead and when you're in uh, heaven, okay, when your physical body dies, no, you don't have to have faith because that's the end of faith, right? Because you're in heaven with God. No longer do you have to believe uh, that okay, there is a God and there is Jesus Christ and He lived and so forth. No, you're going to be able to see Him, Amen. You're going to be with Him. Oh, what a day! I can't wait. And so that's the end of faith, right? But right now we need faith because we can't see Him. Are there many times that I wish I could? You know, if, if I'm honest. Uh, see him and, and sit with the Lord and talk with the Lord. And, and right now what I do is get in his word and, and spend time in prayer. But ooh, I wish I could see him. But I have to believe that he's there with me every step of the way. And I know the Holy Spirit's living within me because I've been saved. Amen. And if you've been saved, then you know the same. But we must understand that faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Often we value what we can see more than our time with God, who we can't see. This is a faith issue, right? I mean, is that not what it comes down to? If we value what we can see more than what we can't, and if what we can see is this physical, carnal world, the the devil's world, right? Uh, rather than seeing God and, and all his greatness through our faith, with physical possessions, it, a time commitment comes with it, does it not? Even if it's just to clean and pack and move stuff around, a time commitment comes with physical possessions. Now think about this, time that could have gone where? Time that could be spent with who? I think you see where I'm going with this. Physical clutter can can hinder us from spending time with God, from serving God, from living for God. With physical possessions, we are in danger of making them our idol and forsaking God. You think I'm crazy for saying that? I'm not. Think of the hobbyist. Think of the collector. Think of the shopaholic. They seek pleasure and even identity sometimes from a thing instead of the maker of all things, right? Uh, you think about a car guy or a sneakerhead or a superhero fanatic or a foodie. This whole group, they, they value physical possessions to the point where they want to be defined by them. They want their name associated with that thing that they either possess or aim to possess. Goodness gracious, we live in a culture where the devil is so subtle, just like he was subtle in the Garden of Eden. He's so subtle in getting us to have these identities away from the Lord. And then they become idols in our heart. They become the gods that we're serving. And we're distracted and we're far off from our true Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because we've got yoked up with these possessions. And think about this, 
the pious young man speaking to Jesus about going to heaven, Matthew 19, 20 through 23. Then the young man saith unto him, all these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? So this young man was asking Jesus what uh, he could do to go to heaven. He said, he, he, you know, Jesus said, you know, obey the commandments and so forth. And he said, yes, of course, I've done all those things. Uh, verse 21, Jesus said unto him, if thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. So here Jesus is telling this young man what he needs to do, right? To be perfect and how he should do it to go sell what he's got. And then what he should do next, give to the poor. And then the consequences of those actions, he'll have treasure in heaven. And Jesus is actually inviting him to come and follow him, right? And then verse 22, but when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. Woo. Why is it so hard? Why? Well, because people value their possessions. This young man, he was probably known as someone that owned these things. He probably had his identity yoked up in these things. He was uh, treasuring these things. He he uh, enjoyed these things. And Jesus is telling him uh, he must have been pretty offended that he should go sell them and get rid of them and take that money, just, you know, help the poor, give it to the poor. You know, if you take that item in your house, in your garage, uh, wherever it is, at your workplace, you take that one thing that you like the most, okay, would you be willing to sell it and take the money and give it to the poor right now if Jesus told you to? I hope so. You know, I've got possessions. I'm not a big collector, but I've got uh, a few nice things here or there. And uh, goodness gracious, I've had to run myself through this and, and, and I had to come to terms with the idea that absolutely, yes, if, if it came to that, we need to do it. Amen. And, uh, the Lord is, is good at, uh, testing us. Uh, just the other day, my wife said, uh, I was, she said, Oh, you're, you're a nice guy or she, you're a gentle guy or something like that. And then like a minute later, I had some business email and I had to respond nicely. And I was thinking, Hmm. Wow. You know what? Okay. Uh, here the Lord's saying, Hey, your wife said it. Are you really? Uh, so God will allow a test to come our way. Amen. But we must abide. We must be obedient and we must be able to not value our possessions in a way. It's not that the Lord doesn't want us to have things. He just wants us to put them in their rightful place. And you know, the word, the Bible word here that I'm thinking of is preeminence. God has preeminence in our life. Amen. That means that he's first and everything else is second. Is that true with you today? Love, devotion, desire for accumulation of material things can endanger us in our walk with Christ. You know, cheating, committing adultery, acting immoral, it happens you, I hope you understand this. It happens when we turn to what we possess for peace, comfort, joy, fellowship, and so on instead of God. Have you ever thought about that? That if you're turning to what you possess instead of turning to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, you now have made that thing an idol in your life? You're listening to KJV Cafe. As you learn the great truths in God's Word, we encourage you to take the verses mentioned in this episode and study them. Trusting God will open your eyes to a deeper understanding of Himself. Now here's Pastor Clark with the rest of today's message. Is it possible physical items? I think so. 
I think that people absolutely can lust for physical items, be cheaters on God with material possessions. Uh, and, and, you know, it's a very serious thing. And, and you go through the Bible, there's tons of language and imagery in the Bible on adultery, on fornication, on cheating, on breaking that, that, that relationship with the Lord, on turning your back on the Lord. Uh, look, the person waiting all night for the new Apple iPhone or the Apple Watch or whatever it is, that person serving a little G God. The person going to yard sales every Saturday morning to collect that toy train all year round. Instead of, say, going soul winning or going and uh, helping the church or going just spending time in their prayer closet, that person's serving a little G God. The person constantly buying clothes to obtain a certain look, to have a certain vain appearance about themselves, that person is serving a little G God. Again, nothing wrong with having a, a phone, a nice cell phone or getting a toy train or having clothes, right? In fact, the Bible says with food and raiment, you know, clothing, we should be satisfied. There's nothing wrong with these things. It's wrong when it's dominating us. It's wrong when we're up all night. It's wrong when we're doing it all the time. It's wrong when we are looking at it as something more than just the utility of it. And when we start looking at it as our God, what is cheating? It's breaking that covenant you have with one to spend time with another. And it's absolutely horrible. You know, affairs ruin marriages, if we cheat on God, how can we expect to be close to him? You say it's an innocent hobby. Well, then show me a chart of how much time you spend on that hobby versus how much time you spend with God in prayer and fellowship. Just draw that chart out for me. Say, okay, this is how much time I spend on working on my F-150, and here's how much time I spend with God in prayer, devotion, etc. Hey, you know what? God's on top? Okay, that, that's pretty good. Oh, that F-150 is getting all the attention, and God, the, the Bible's getting dusty over there, uh, and church is kind of hit or miss? Uh-uh, no. God's holy God. He's a sovereign God. He's your creator. He's your provider. I promise you that. He has given you all things that you have, and he expects, if you've been saved, he expects you to be living for him. That's our reasonable service. Amen. For you to live for him. No, we're not saved by our works, but as the book of James says, uh, without works, uh, our faith is dead. Okay. Uh, so who wants you to have an affair? Who wants you to transgress God? What spiritual force is behind the encouragement of such wickedness? Yeah, the devil. He can use your physical clutter as a barrier and stumbling block to keep you from deepening your relationship with God almighty. What do we do to fix this? We got a clean house. Literally, get rid of what you can. Realize clutter isn't just clutter, and it can and will be used as a way to a uh, stumbling block to get in the way of you spending time with God. You got to put things in the rightful place. I'm not saying uh, clear everything out and, and sleep on the floor. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm just preaching what thus saith the word of God, that we shouldn't have any false idols, that we shouldn't be living uh, as the world, that we shouldn't uh, be serving the God of materialism, that we shouldn't have in having to have all kinds of storage units and storage sheds and all these things. And again, your preacher's no exception. I've, I've, I've got plenty of experience of these things, uh, but we must get our, our minds and our bodies and our souls in submission to how the Lord would have us to live. And guess what happens? We'll start having joy. We'll start having peace. Secondly, emotional clutter. Is that keeping you away from God? You think about this. Could Noah have accomplished such a task as building the ark? If his mind was emotionally cluttered, Hebrews 11, 7, and by faith, okay, Hebrews 11, 7, excuse me, by faith, Noah, being warned of God 
of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. What do we see here? We see that faith word. Noah didn't know when or how or why, but he built the ark instead of doing what? Occupying his mind with the cares of the world at that time. You know, by faith. And you see here in Hebrews eleven seven, by faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen yet. Okay, he had to have faith. He, he hadn't seen the rain yet. He hadn't seen the flood yet. But God gave him the knowledge that it was coming, moved with fear. So Noah feared God. What does the Bible call us to do? Fear God. The fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. Amen. We're called to fear God. This all makes sense. Fear God, have faith, live and be obedient to God. Now, Noah's time, Luke 17, 26 through 30. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. This is when Jesus is coming back. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. So what were they doing? They ate, they drank, they married wives. They were just conducting regular life, as you would imagine. Likewise, it was also in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it again, just going through the days of life, going through everyday occurrences, and then boom, it all happened. Verse 30, even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. See how apt this comparison is? It's like life today. We as a people are occupying ourselves with eating and drinking and marrying and so on, just normal everyday emotional life. And then God judges, and we will wish we cleared the way in our minds through our faith for our closest with God. Do you have faith? God is coming again, that Jesus is coming again soon? Then start acting like it and clear that mental clutter out that the world is trying to shove deep in your mind. Use Noah as the example. He built that ark because he was focused on God. He feared God, and he had faith. Amen? Firstly, identify what the emotional clutter is in your mind and where it came from. How do you do that? Pray to God for discernment. Write down what you think about constantly and then give it to God in prayer. And just give it to him. Don't don't say you give it to him and hold on to it, but really give it to him. Put your detective hat on. Look at the root of this clutter. Is it coming from someone, some show on TV, some teacher or boss? What vessel is the devil using to clutter up your mind? I've preached about this before. I had to cut out some of the news consumption uh, that this preacher was watching because it was cluttering up my mind. It was getting in the way of my walk with the Lord. It it was creating emotional anxiety and stress that was unnecessary. I said, this is emotional clutter. I don't need it. Amen. What is it in your life? And then make a clear plan of action to get rid of that clutter, that emotional clutter. Once you've identified the problem, have faith God can fix it. Remove it by praying to God and asking for him to take it from you. Look, if you pray that prayer and you mean it, I believe 100% God will remove that emotional clutter from you. Be obedient to God, do your part, and he will take care of the rest. Don't go back to it over and over again. Get it out and keep it out. Get rid of that emotional clutter. Locate it and get rid of it. I wish I had more time to focus on that, but I'm I'm hoping and praying that you understand where I'm getting at there. Now, what do you do with that free emotional space you got bandwidth now? What are you going to do? You fill your mind, you saturate it with God and his ways. Fill your mind so completely with the things of God, there'll be no room for anything else. You know, you, you could just listen to preaching like this. 
read the Bible, watch godly videos, read devotionals, get a devotional app, spend time in service for the Lord, uh, you know, sing hymns, uh, have a family altar time, uh, call someone and lend an ear and, and, and give them scripture and advice and on and on and on. All of this is very important because you're going to have a house free of clutter and a mind free of clutter. And finally, you can turn to the spirit, freeing up the spirit, spiritual clutter is it keeping you away from God? Hebrews 11, 8 through 12, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go into a place which he should after receive for inheritance, obeyed and he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, their heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God through faith. Also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. You hear this word faith over and over again. Verse 12, therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. Abraham by faith went to a far off place for God and believed in God when the world would have surely told him he's crazy, yet God's word came true. This faith is only achieved by having a clear mind and heart for the things of God and realizing that to be led by God, we must be spiritually ready and willing. How? While Abraham was obedient, we must be obedient to God's call. Abraham had faith. Sarah had faith that God would deliver on his promise of her having a child when she was in very old age. By faith, Abraham offered Isaac on the altar, uh, Genesis uh, 22.2. What pattern do we see here? Spiritual maturity, godliness, obedience, not listening to the ways of the world. All these traits embody deep and bold faith. Spiritual clutter, having false gods and idols would not allow for this deep faith to exist. It would clutter it up. If that happened, where would we be today? Where would they be today? Not in the Hebrews Hall of Fame, that's for sure. Are you willing to unclutter your spirit to be totally devoted to God and bank on his promises now? Are you excited for God to bless and lead and guide you for heaven to be here now for you to be close to God and praise Jesus for eternity starting now? Where is your faith today? Think about that clutter. I mean, physical, emotional, spiritual can hinder our walk with God. We see that that great faith in the Lord is the key ingredient to overcome clutter because without faith, we fall victim to the ways of the world, which values clutter. Think about that. That's a whole other message. But the world truly values clutter in an unhealthy and ungodly way. This will take action from you. Your spaces, physical, emotional, and spiritual, won't be less cluttered by you sitting around and doing nothing. All three take action to improve. This comes down to faith in God and walking godly to remove the clutter. The result of clutter removal, that's the crux of it. I guess it's the very end of the message. Well, what's the result? It's peace and contentment only God can provide for us. Victory, that word victory, it's so sweet. Victory in God each and every day of our lives. Victory in Jesus specifically, a bold faith others will be inspired by, a faith that Jesus embodied. Think about this. When he went to the cross and bore that great burden for our sins, it's that kind of faith, amen, that you receive that that, that wonderful joy uh, that you have as a Christian 
when you live for the Lord, amen, a faith that Jesus embodied truly when he went to the cross and, and bore that great burden of our sins, and we accept Jesus as Savior, we receive that great faith, we receive the Holy Spirit living within us, and then it's our job to activate it, amen, it's our job to stay close to God. Look, so much of this is just comes down to obedience, right? Living for the Lord and, and trying and striving for God and doing godly things, you know what happens? A lot of this clutter, it just starts taking care of itself. And and again, you know, we know when the Bible says that God hears the prayers of the righteous, amen. When we're living for the Lord, he hears our prayers and, and prayers have incredible power. So pray today for God to help you to clear that physical clutter, the emotional clutter, the spiritual clutter, so you can be on fire for him, so you can live for him and and have victory every day, be happy, peaceful in Jesus, and share this uh, message with friends, maybe to help them too, because I truly believe this can happen. And uh, hopefully one day, very soon, we'll see the Lord face to face, and we'll be able to say we got all that clutter out of the way, and we're just so close to you. Hey guys, Pastor Clark here. Just a announcement for you. Uh, in case you were looking for a way to get involved in giving for this holiday season, we are partnering with a uh, website called Scripture Gift to sell coffee and uh, scripture, many a King James scripture items uh, like mugs and t-shirts. Uh, to help raise money for those in Honduras that are affected by the uh, recent two hurricanes. Uh, There are some people that are without homes and children, uh, without uh, places to sleep at night, or or there's having food shortages. It's close to our hearts. We have a lady in our congregation whose sister and family live there, and we've gotten reports back firsthand. So 100% of the proceeds will be going to this Honduran relief uh, effort. You can visit facebook.com forward slash KJV Cafe, facebook.com forward slash KJV Cafe to uh, see a link there to support. Thank you so much. Thanks for visiting the cafe today. Our goal is to inspire you with the truth and depth of God's word in a straightforward manner. Do you know Jesus? You can today. Visit kjvcafe.com to learn more about God's great plan of salvation for all of mankind. Until next time, remember, as Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 puts it, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness.